Mr. Speaker. It is politics time. Uh, Dr. Phil Ferguson and John Moore. Morena to you both. Oh, Morena? You, you haven't got whooping cough, have you? It's going around. People have got whooping cough all over town. Go and see a doctor, Phil. I know someone that broke Even a rib. Even though you are a doctor. I know someone that broke a rib. Uh, I can myself. And, and a coughing fit. Really? Oh, yes, yes. Now, whooping cough is alive and well oh, in Otaputi right now. Um, so is politics. Politics will never die. There's uh, death taxes <laughs> and politics. Um, and no matter what kind of political structure there is in a place, there's always going to be politics. Um, so we're going to begin with the National Party's annual conference. It was held uh, last week or this week. Yeah, um, last weekend. Yeah. Yes, the Nets, uh, you know, they lost last year. Uh, but they did get the most votes. They got a new leader uh, who's taken them uh, in his own direction, I guess, slightly to the centre, John. Yeah, and uh, I think a big thing about this uh, conference in the National Party is that they've fi- finally come to terms with they did actually lose uh, the election, uh, where if they had been pushing it uh, in the initial stages of the coalition government, that they were the legitimate government because they got the most votes out of any uh, party, which is true. Um, doesn't matter, does it? Doesn't matter under... MMP, yeah, because they didn't have a majority of seats in the in the House. So, um, yeah, this was a 600-party member uh, conference, um, and uh, it's been um, nine months since the uh, government, since the National Party has been in opposition. Um, and, yeah, so there's an argument that uh, Simon Bridges and his colleagues are acting to pull um, the National Party even more to the centre. Um, so there's a few policies, such as um, their policy of reducing uh, class sizes uh, Mm -hmm. and indicating that they do support uh, pay rises for teachers, which is is definitely appealing to, would be appealing to people who are left of centre, who call for more government investment into education. However, on the other hand, they they are saying they'll bring back charter schools, Uh, they they are saying they'll restart um, uh, handing out licences for oil exploration, Mm -hmm. uh, things that arguably uh, would position them on on the right, arguably. Uh, and uh, of course, it's always difficult to always define what left and right exactly mean. Well, capitalism's firmly in the centre, isn't it? <laughs> nice capitalism. Yes. Yeah, so and um, uh, so yes. It, the, there was a general mood of of the National Party pushing itself as a party that wants to bring uh, new ideas uh, into the political arena. Uh, that it needs to reflect. Uh, <laughs> it needs to reflect upon its loss. Um, and, and it needs to, as uh, Judith Collins says, it needs to listen. Now, is there much <laughs> substance uh, behind all this uh, rhetoric? Um, well, the fact that they are talking about reduced uh, class sizes now uh, indicates that they are prepared to shift politically. Yeah. Um, and so it will be interesting to see um, what they come out with over the next few years. Well, that's the thing. They're shifting politically. But, you know, is, is it OK for them uh, to back smaller class sizes, which the Labour Party has done too, um, and, and uh, are looking at doing? But is it all right for them to increase class sizes? And, you know, let's remember he was the Associate Minister Mm. of Education as well, under Hekia Parata, who brought in bigger class sizes. Um, Is it all right for them um, now to go back against that and then fight for that and call out the Labour government for maybe not moving fast enough or not moving at all when they were the ones that brought in bigger class sizes anyway? 
like it um yeah, you know, they could be accused of being hypocrites. However, yes. it points to how uh, deeply pragmatic this national party is. Uh, you get a, you get a few people on the left who who still say that it's a it's a far right party, it's a it's a neoliberal party that wants to denationalise everything and, and just have the market rule in all aspects of politics and the economy. But I don't think that's been true for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think it shows. Um, although Simon Bridges seemed to be on the right to the right of John Key in many ways. Um, um, uh, he's now indicating that he's deeply pragmatic, and uh, um, from a right-wing point of view, he's prepared to sell his soul. You know, he's not—he's he, he's prepared to be quite flexible on his uh, ideological lines. Son of a minister selling his soul. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Phil, um, should they be moving to the centre, or should they keep the same line and just be trying to build up a partnership with another party? Because that's the reason they're out. The reason they're out is because they couldn't make it work with NZ first. They can never make it work with the Greens, but who knows in the future. Uh, the Māori Party got decimated, and ACT really is just a sideshow and isn't going to get anywhere. You know, So is, is the most important thing for them to try and steal votes from Labour uh, or try to grow their support base within Parliament? Well... <laughs> I'm not really interested in giving them advice, but, <laughs> but I think, yeah, that is the problem for them. Um, I think they realise that they need to replicate Key's popularity, and they're not going to do that by being seen as being a right-wing party. Um, Key was very much in the centre, and in fact, on some things, he was to the left of Labour, you know, on social welfare rises, mm-hmm. and at the time, on pensions as well. It wasn't until after he was gone that the retirement age you know got um was raised and it's a long way away anyway so we've got a couple of decades to fight over that one um but they faced the problem that they faced after 1999 of the clark government which was what the hell do you do because if you position yourself to the right too much you alienate the big chunk of the electorate and yet the government is sprawled all over the centre ground. So some things about Labour are a bit centre-right, some things about them are a bit centre-left, and then there's this huge, mushy centre. So we've got this situation where when Clark, the Clark government was in power, National had an identity crisis. When the key English government was in power, Labour had an identity crisis mm-hmm. until... Jacinda Ardern came and rescued them mm-hmm. and now National have got the problem so you've got Labour being National light, National being Labour light and what what do they do? And in the past, I mean we've had this strange situation very unusual in New Zealand politics where we had three, three term governments yes. never happened before well maybe well since about the 1920s or 19, 1910s, 1920s. Mm-hmm. So it hadn't happened for almost 100 years. And basically, Labour had to wait until that Bolger-Shipley regime was exhausted. National had to wait until Clark was exhausted. Labour had to wait until National was, you know, there'd been three terms of National and they managed to get in, but only through coalescing with the Greens and New Zealand first. And Key Levin. And key, and key leaving. Yeah. yeah. And so National's now got this problem where they're the most popular party, I mean, and they're still doing pretty well. Yeah. But they've got no mates. Yeah. So what do they do? If they, if there's another 
party form that is a bit further to the right is going to siphon off more right-wing National Party people. So that's not going to help them. And so do they have to win, woo away New Zealand first in the Green, or the Greens, or both? And that's not impossible, but it's bloody difficult. Yeah. Or, or do they need the Māori Party to get back into the Māori seats? Well, they, they, see, they need somebody, to, they need parties that are going to get at least 5 or 6% of the vote. Yeah, yeah. And where's that going to come from? And it's difficult with New Zealand First because they're continuously slacking off New Zealand <laughs> First and, and agitating Winston Peters in Parliament. Uh, so uh, is that a good ploy uh, when really the only way of getting into power is through hooking up with um, New Zealand First after a future election? Um, yeah, the Greens are a possibility, but that would cause huge ruptures within uh, the wider mm. membership of the Greens Great. and, and possibly lead to a split between mm. the left-wing, more radical Greens and more centrist or centre-right Greens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it's, at the moment it's really only New Zealand First that can deliver government for yeah. national. Yeah, everyone yeah. slags them off, though, like Labour slagged them off in the past. <laughs> Personally, but change. It's almost like National haven't really accustomed themselves to the MMP environment, even though we've had it for, uh, what, first MMP election, 96, so we've had it for more than two decades, and it's like National still hasn't quite grasped it. Like, mm. Labour's got a much better grasp of of the MMP environment, I think, than the national. Um, there are, I guess, well, maybe a chance for them is, you know, when Peters resigns, there won't be that same kind of tension. Yeah. And maybe they'll be able to woo over Jones. Jones. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's not going to be easy. And they're going to they'd have to offer... Yeah. certain things to New Zealand first including economic policies that would be you know to the left of where National is now mm-hmm. I wonder if they'll turn all the cycleways into mobility scooterways uh, that might help mm. uh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, like a little bit of ages yeah, in there yeah, I know I'm sorry <laughs> it's almost like it's almost like politics is the nightly news you know I mean it's tell the same story um, but it all depends on who the hosts are um, you know can National win on policy alone like that I mean you know they have they're saying, age, you need to have a leader that is popular with the people. Mm. Like you said, like I mean, National's doing all right in the polls. Simon Bridges certainly ain't. Yeah. Uh, no. and, and that is the problem. Mm. That is going to be a problem. And yeah, it is. I mean, Simon Bridges is hovering on about 9% at the moment, <laughs> when Jacinda Ardern's hovering on 40 plus uh, yeah. percent. Um, yes, National is, uh, as a whole is hovering on in the mid 40s, but that's not enough to be government. And it's questionable whether. It, um, what, is it really the best strategy to try and get over 50% uh, or as we've just been discussing they need to uh, foster better relationships with uh, minor parties that mm-hmm. they could potentially form a government with I think another problem for Simon Bridges is that he uh, is seen and possibly is a social conservative uh, although a flexible one whereas John Key was clearly a social liberal um, so uh, that could play poorly for National especially when there's three issues three big uh, uh, social issues coming up in the near future, the question of euthanasia, uh, liberalisation of marijuana laws and a push for liberalisation of abortion laws Mm. and as it stands at the moment um, uh, Simon Bridges is relatively conservative on all those points although isn't pushing it so um, when the 
I would argue the general electorate is quite liberal on those issues, and polls seem to indicate that, uh, that we don't have the type of um, cultural war that you have in America on issues like abortion. Yeah. Um, uh, that, yeah, it could, it could, it's not going to help Simon Bridges anyway. It's not going to increase his popularity. No, no, but he'll have to call a conscious vote on those things, right? He won't want to have them tow his line if he wants to look like yeah, good I think to he would the have to, because of the large number of uh, social liberals within the National Caucus yeah he, yeah. he would have to but again it, it, it could uh, it could play out poorly for him in terms of his own personal popularity as leader mm-hmm. that he, he, he's uh, pushing uh, um, a social position that's quite to the right of the general electorate All right. yeah, and I think the fact that National is more a party of social liberals than social conservatives. I think that's a you know a serious issue for him. And when National got their new leader, in order to combat Jacinda Mania, they had to have somebody who was young, and they either had to be female or Maori or both. There was no way they could elect some old white guy mm. to try to combat Jacinda Mania. And so they went for somebody who was young, from quite a working class background, more working class actually than Jacinda, uh, and Maori, and they chose him. But like, oh my God, the guy is just so, you know, like he's somebody who, if you shook hands with him, you'd want to go and wash your hands because they'd just be covered in oil or smarm or something, you know, like... He's a funky drummer though. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, like Jacinda's got... I mean, I wouldn't vote for her, but she's got charm, whereas he's just got smarm. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't vote for him either. But yeah. so, who you know, they're going to have to get some... Yeah, he's going to... I don't think on current, you know, um, stuff that he's the person to combat Jacinda. Yeah, he's one of those asshole prefects I went to school with. This is what he's like. <laughs> That's what he looks like. That's what he looks like. He looks like the class snitch. <laughs> uh, all right, um, let's move on to something that, um, if these things go on for so long, uh, they could start to hurt the Labour government, I assume, but teachers, um, primary school teachers and principals have voted to strike. A full-day strike. Originally, it was going to be a three-hour strike. Um, they decided to vote for a full-day strike, so um, Kia kaha. Uh, to them on that, that's a brilliant idea. A three-day strike was really just... Uh, it was never going to be enough. Um, three hours. Yeah, three hours, sorry. Yeah, three-day strike. <laughs> uh, let's look, you know, but why are they striking? Um, there's there's many factors to it. And uh, once again, like the uh, nursing strikes, um, this isn't all about pay. Uh, it's a lot of... It goes down to conditions, um, for, for the most part, really. Mm. Um, but pay is also very important. In a general sense of uh, being given respect uh, by the government, uh, dignity. Um, yeah, so uh, teachers, primary school teachers and principals will be going on a one-day strike. The Ministry of Education has offered a 22 and 2.6% uh, pay rise uh, for three years. Um, so that's barely above inflation, mm. above inflation. Um, whereas teachers are actually calling for um, a 16% uh, pay rise. So there's a huge gap there. And, and that indicates... Uh, and that's I over th- two years. Yeah, so that, I think that indicates that for a lot of public sector workers and workers that are employed by the state, generally, that there's been very high expectations since this government came into power and this government isn't meeting those expectations. And it also reflects, yeah, the stagnation in wages and salaries that, that existed over the last three terms of the national government.
government um, that yeah there has been an increase in GDP in the economy but um, uh, in terms of increases in GDP uh, workers have only got 40 percent of that for yeah. example overall yeah. so um, and I think it's also a, a general reflection of um, that it's called to strike again. It's called to be part of a union and it's called to be uh, radical. So we're seeing uh, workers across the board from um, um, uh, PSA, uh, public sector workers, uh, to teachers, to nurses, to uh, fast food workers, uh, to farmers workers, farmers as in the department store, yeah. uh, to, <laughs> to IRD workers all going on strike. And these are quite... Uh, historic strikes where there's been uh, almost um, the presence of, of unions and union militancy has been almost non-existent for yeah. a, a, a well over a decade. Um, so yeah, I think this is part of a wave that we're seeing throughout the so-called Anglo-Western world uh, in America as well, where there's an upsurge, a relative upsurge in strikes and, and the idea of, uh, of that there should be uh, working class politics. The idea of working class politics is coming to the fore again, like when, for example, uh, with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, the Democrat candidate in, in America who's who is pushing a, a strong sort of uh, pro uh, working class platform? Uh, so I think this is all resonating, and um, yeah, as I said, it's called cool to strike again. Mm. Opportunity knocks, right? And with this Labour government, it's an opportunity um, for these people. What they what Labour signalled during the election was like, you know, we we're out there for fair pay, mm -hmm. uh, for uh, equality in pay as well. And let's, let's be honest, the majority, vast majority of primary school teachers are female. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's a sex. So issue it's a gender. Well. It's a gender. Issue it's a gender well. issue as much as yep. anything else. Um, and one thing that you don't really see behind the scenes is the workload increase for teachers. The training they mm. have to do now, um, they have to, like, they're doing university courses, they're doing papers. Like, mm. every teacher is doing a paper. Like, so, I mean, that's a big workload. They don't have, the school holidays, their, their whole story is to say, teaching, there's a great career, you get all this time off, you don't get time off. And there's a crisis in teaching, for example, in Dunedin, uh, there's such a lack of relieving teachers, that often when a teacher is sick, uh, the principal has to ring up all the parents and say, don't send your kids to school. My auntie, who's a teacher, they, um, her best friend is a retired teacher, she comes in to cover. Mm. Retired teachers are coming wow. out of retirement mm. to cover. Mm. Uh, I, and my auntie, um, um, my partner's auntie, uh, she she uh, had had an accident, broke both her wrists, had a, quite a bit of time off school, and that teacher had to come out of retirement to cover for like mm. a, few, a couple of months. Uh, mm. and, and that's what you have. That's what's having to be done. People have to come out of mm. retirement to keep our schools going, and that's ridiculous. They, they've paid their dues. They've done their mm. work. Um, they should be able to relax in the sun now. I mean, teaching's not an easy job yeah, either. And it's, yeah, it's just not an attractive profession to get oh, into 40 k a year, mm. you mm. will get that at a supermarket. Mm. You know, and there's nothing wrong with I'm, I'm not bringing that down, but, you know, you studied for years, yeah. uh, you're continuously in the study. It's a high-stress job, mm. you know. Um, kids, uh, you know, a, a, as a stepdad of three, kids are little shits. And it's great that yeah, NZDI is actually standing up to the government. Um, I was a member of NZDI in the past uh, when I worked as a primary school teacher in Auckland. I uh, was a delegate uh, to one of the national conferences and was an activist uh, on the North Shore in Auckland. And there was a real trend that um, if Labour was in power, then NZDI saw them as a partner and they, and they didn't want to uh, uh, ruffle any feathers yeah. in regards to Labour. And I, I had arguments about this with um, um, uh, union colleagues uh, and they said, yeah, well, 
power and national we push hard and labor we're more when labor comes into power we should be more cooperative with them so it's great to see that NZDI and other unions like the PSA are actually prepared to push against labor when the ex- ex- when the high expectations that lots of unionists had after the election those expectations aren't being met yeah yeah I mean you think like primary school teachers they're actually responsible for the lives of those kids as well like you're not just teaching them mm. you are in loco parentis yeah responsibilities as well and if one of those kids goes home with a graze on their their knee or whatever you know the parents are going to are going to want to know what's happened or much i mean way too much for my liking i i think it's great when kids get grazes on, oh, their, on their knees and so on you know like we need more yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but you know the poor primary school teachers you know they're responsible for the lives of a of a whole bunch of, of small children and everything that those small kids do you know during the day i mean it's an incredibly onerous responsible mm. job as well as the teaching the training you know being able to get along and manage yeah <laughs> you know 30 or so more kids in a class um and the pay yeah I mean, it's just ridiculous yeah and like one to 29 kids in a senior class at a primary school yeah i mean there's gonna be kids falling through cracks yeah. that's just you cannot mm. Like it's really difficult, and, and, and you know, and oh, there are there's huge amounts of kids falling through cracks. And there was a recent um, uh, study done on reading levels in New Zealand, and it felt, found that forty uh, percent of people leaving school had a, a reading age, um, um, an inadequate reading age, um, which would make it even difficult for them to uh, read the newspaper and fully comprehend what's in the newspaper. So that that that. That to me, since mm. there's a real crisis in our education system, um, I remember when I taught on the North Shore, uh, there were like um, uh, reading reco- there was a reading recovery program. Uh, we were told that, that the kids who were the bottom of the bottom in terms of uh, reading level, we were to ignore. We were to send them to the um, uh, to the teacher aid for a reading re- uh, recovery because um, uh, she didn't have the time. There was just one person yes, employed mm. uh, where we're to uh, send people who were yeah, just below average. Yeah. And so that, that, to me, and I'm sure that happens around the country throughout schools, um, um, yeah, I found it pretty shocking the principal said that, but at the same time, it, <laughs> he was being very pragmatic. He yeah. was just being realistic. Uh, and, um, yeah, it... it uh, it says a whole number of kids at the bottom of our society uh, who are struggling. Um, uh, yeah, aren't be- their needs aren't being met. And the, um, and then we look at the prison rate in New Zealand. Um, the majority of people in prison are illiterate. Yeah, that's right. Mm. That's right. Fifty-seven is the average age of a primary school teacher in New Zealand. Fifty-seven. Wow. Well, Seven. Grandparent age. That is, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, 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 is crazy. And and but you know, these are some of the most skilled yeah. people mm. we have in our workforce. Such amazing humans. Yeah. Um, that have been in there for, for you know all their lives. And when they started, it would have been a good salary, a very yeah, good, yeah. um, you know, a very good yeah. um, job. Mm. A very good job, and you, and see, you used to be guaranteed a job. Yeah, and in the nineteen mm. seventies, yeah. teachers earned just a little bit less than an MP, just a teeny mm. bit less. And then yeah. you look at the difference yeah. now; it is mm. huge. Mm. Yeah. While MPs' uh, rates of uh, pay have gone up through the roof, 
And you know, and they've gone well ahead of inflation. Yeah. And managers, Te- yeah. top level managers. Teachers yeah. have gone way behind inflation. Mm. Like yeah. literally, like we have been ripping teachers off for mm. years, and yeah. we've got away with it. It was yeah. even the case in the seventies that uh, uh, student teachers were paid to go to teachers' college, yeah. and then were guaranteed employment after teachers' college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, uh, who wants to? You know. A lot, a lot of it's a vocation for a lot of people. People want to become teachers. Mm. They do. They, it's a calling. Yeah. It is definitely a calling. But there are going to be some that are put off by the pay. Yeah, and I thought you know, at the end of the day, you have to feed, clothe, house yourself and your family, blah blah blah. So no matter how much it's a calling, if you're going to be in a situation of having shit pay, then you're not going to be able to do it, no matter how much you want to, because yeah. you just you know, you have needs that aren't that aren't being met. Mm. And what does the government want? Does it want people to not be teachers and go and do do other work? Yeah, yeah. You want the best and the brightest. You want the people yeah. that want to be there. Yeah. Mm. And it's funny, isn't it? Because it. yeah, if it's like top, um, we're still talking about the state sector. So if it's top state sector management, um, oh, we have to pay them, you know. Market rates. Market <laughs> rates, blah, market blah, rates. blah, blah. So-called market rates, which is just whatever they happen to make up, really. <laughs> um, and yet if it's teachers who are doing this, you know, frontline, absolutely socially vital work, then all of a sudden, you know, like, we don't have to pay them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Top rates. Yeah. Right, um, the vast majority of parents are behind them, and there are some yep. that aren't. Uh, the vast majority of the nation, I think, is behind them too. Uh, and yep. I hope it gets done quickly, because, you know, how people can wane from yeah. <laughs> if things drag on uh, support. Because, you know, uh, and, and, and I hope um, that the vast majority of principals and board of trustees are yeah. also uh, behind them because mm. you know yeah. board of trustees have a lot of power within schools now um, true so uh, if yeah. you are a parent prepare for this day ahead yep. you mm. might have to take the you know annual that's what annual leave's for <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Use, your, use your annual leave which was nicely given to you by the government yeah. uh, to um, to support teachers and, and you know take the kids to the to the picket lines yep. mm. you know, yeah it's do. their future yeah mm. yeah yeah. and Hillary Barry has offered to um, mind the kids of of um, parents who who have to work and, and can't um you know don't know what to do with their kids so yeah <laughs> you know, contact hillary back. yeah get on that you're an awkward. and then just remember like i mean uh, 40k might be all right you know you might be able to get by with 40k as a new teacher in dunedin but imagine being on yeah. 40k in auckland yeah absolutely ridiculous yeah absolutely hey thank you both for coming in this morning yep can you've got a shout can, out yeah yes. can i just give a, a quick shout out to mike treen the national director of unite trade union he was on the freedom flotilla delivering medicines to gaza and the so-called israeli defense force um illegally came on board the boat he was tasered several times other people on the boat were assaulted he was then kidnapped mm. and uh, put in a jail outside Tel Aviv and has been deported back to New Zealand so he's he's back in New Zealand now which isn't really where he wants to be he wants to be delivering medicines to Gaza but you know like what a barbaric regime you yeah. know and um, well, well done to Mike um, and yeah where's the luck. chat where's the chat from the government on this yes mm. yeah yeah. You know? Yeah. Why are we feeling yeah, like I, death ears? Yep. Yeah. That's it. Uh, all right. Thank you both for coming in once again. Uh,